Thank you, Cindy. We are excited about that. See her in the foyer. Sign up today. I'm sharing a series of sermons in uh, this month entitled Followers Become Leaders. And what I've tried to encourage this month is for you to think about as a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, how does God want me to be a leader? I hope some of you, your heart has been stirred, maybe, that I need to step up and be a leader. We talked about church leadership, uh, and we heard opportunities for that this morning. We talked last week about family leadership, stepping up in your family to be a spiritual leader and to set a, a path and a tone for your family. Today, I want to talk about, as I close out this series of sermons, leadership across generations. And I want to challenge you today to be a leader beyond your own generation. I'll explain what I mean by that. You see, most of us are, um, we like our own generation, and we're most comfortable in our own generation. Uh, We think that our generation had the best music. We think our generation had the best hairstyles and the best TV shows. Why don't they make shows like Andy Griffith anymore? You know, that just sounds like somebody from that generation, right? From my generation. Uh, uh, so we're very comfortable there. So um, to illustrate that, I'm going I'm to read you the title of seven songs, and I want you to think in your mind, if I have to listen to one of these songs on the, in my car on the way home, which of these seven am I going to pick, okay? You're going to have to pick one of these seven to listen to on the way home. Here you go. Elvis Presley, All Shook Up. The Beatles, Hey Jude. The Bee Gees, Staying Alive. Billie Jean by Michael Jackson. Mariah Carey and Boys to Men, One Sweet Day, Kelly Clarkson, Since You've Been Gone, or Chainsmokers, Closer. So here you go. You got Elvis Presley, All Shook Up, Beatles, Hey Jude, BG, Staying Alive, Michael Jackson, Billie Jean, Mariah Carey, Boys to Men, One Sweet Day, Kelly Clarkson, Since You've Been Gone, Chainsmokers, Closer. You got your song? Now, I'm going to predict, I'm, I'm going to guess that I can predict your age based upon which song that you picked. I'm going to guess that you're going to pick a song uh, that, because those are the top seven songs of the past seven decades. Top, sell, top songs of the past seven decades, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, O's, and teens. So probably you picked a song 15 to 20 years after your birthday. Why? Because we identify with that music of our generation. Now, some of you are retro people. I know it's not going to work for everybody, but, but for most of us, we like our generation. And that's okay. That's our whole connection groups are set up by your, either your age or your life because you connect with people and, and you do life with people and you're going to grow best with people in your age. I go to some connection groups and the prayer requests are about potty training. And I go to some connection groups, and the prayer requests are about what, where to find the best orthopedic surgeon. You know, those are different generations, right? We're, we're generationally different. So we group with people who are looking for an orthopedic surgeon or trying to figure out how to do potty training, right? That, that's how we are. And that's a good thing. And that's why we want you to get a connection group and share life together. But the Bible also calls us to care about generations beyond our own and to be leaders in generations beyond our own. We're going to see what that means from the Scripture. We're going to go through the, 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 the scope of Scripture from beginning to end. Let me share that with you. Beginning in the book of Genesis, in chapter 15, when God set out to save us, 
Genesis tells us how God made everything good and then we sinned and messed it up. And then God in his great love for us began his, to orchestrate his plan to bring us back to him and forgive our sin. And he did it by choosing Abraham to be a leader of a future nation of Israel. And he said, Abraham, I'll make you a great nation and I'll give you a land. And so Abraham left his homeland and went to a new land But then later God said to him when he got there these words from Genesis chapter 15 verses 13 and following. Then the Lord said to him, know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own and that they'll be enslaved and mistreated there, predicting the the, the time in Egypt, right, of slavery. But I will punish that nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. That's the exodus being predicted. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. So God said to Abraham, you know this land that I said I'm going to give you? You're going to be a stranger in it. It's not going to be until the fourth generation that they really possess it. Abraham had to to live his life for future generations. He was laying a foundation for future generations. It would be 400 years. Two things had to happen. First of all, the sin of the Amorites had to reach its full measure. God wasn't going to drive them out of the land until he had given them every opportunity to repent and it was just to judge them. And at the same time, the nation of Israel would be large enough to really possess the land, the Bible says elsewhere. So time would pass till they became a great population. Those two things had to take place, take four generations. And Abraham was living his life as a leader for future generations. Would you do that? You know, uh, I'm a grandparent now, and I've become more and more conscious that I want to invest my life in the future generations. I'm moving into my last decade of ministry here at this church, and what I want to do is lay a foundation. I want to be an Abraham. That, that God would be able to bless this community four generations down the line through this church. And if I can do anything to lay that foundation, I want to do that. Well, 400 years went by, four generations came, and God raised up a leader named Moses. And Moses, just as he had pro- uh, God had prophesied in Genesis, led the people out of Egypt, and he brought them toward the promised land, and he gave them the Ten Commandments. And I want to read to you in Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 through 6. This is from the second commandment. The first one is, you shall have no other gods before me. And then verse 4, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. That's an amazing statement that comes after that commandment there. It says that, I'm giving you these commandments for your good. And know that if you break them, it's not only going to bring repercussions on you, but it's going to have ripple effect on the third and fourth generation after you. And they're going to suffer. You see, our actions, our sins, this verse tells us, have implication for generations beyond our own. And so if I want to be a leader across generations, I need to look at my life and how I'm living because what I do and when I fail to keep God's command, it has repercussions 
for my grandchildren and great-grandchildren. I give you a good example of that, just a clear example of that in our nation. Our nation, we owe $19 trillion in national debt. My generation and the generations before my generation have, have spent in our governmental budget so much that we're $19 trillion in debt. That's increasing $27,000 every second. Every second, our national debt is going up by $27,000. Somebody's got to pay that in the future. Some of your generations beyond us have got to pay that, and the sins of my generation will be felt in the third and fourth generation. Either they're going to have to pay it back or the system's going to collapse one or the other. Some way there's going to be payback someday. And so our, our actions have an effect there. A lot of talk now about the opioid crisis and drugs, and we see in individuals, don't we, how the actions, the sin of one person affects kids and grandkids and creates cycles of poverty far beyond. That's what the, he's saying here. A leader for future generations is conscious that my actions have that influence. But now let me show you that next verse. Verse 6 is the good side but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. He says if you keep these commandments, the blessing can far outweigh the curse. A thousand generations can be blessed. Isn't that amazing? That, that your obedience could have some impact on a thousand generations of the obedience of, of Abraham and Moses. Still, we're, we're benefiting today, aren't we, by their obedience? And so your obedience, he says, can have a an impact for a thousand generations. Well, after Moses, God raised up Joshua, and Joshua led the people to take this land, this promised land, and they conquered it. And Joshua and his generation were good leaders of their generation, but apparently they weren't good leaders of the next generation. They failed to do a good job of passing on their faith. Let me show you that in Judges chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. After Joshua had this, oh, excuse me, verse 8. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. So his leadership is gone now. His generation is gone. They buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnaherez in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gosh. And after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Wow. What a verse. So Joshua's great generation that led that conquest, but then another generation grew up that didn't know the Lord. Nobody's entirely responsible for that except you, but nor did they know what he had done for Israel. And so apparently, I read into that that Joshua's generation did not do a good job of communicating, of teaching that next generation uh, the things of the Lord. Uh, they failed to, to be leaders there. You know, the fastest rising, uh, the, the fastest growing religious group in America today are, are what are called the nuns. That is, when they ask people, what is your religion? They say none. You see, Europe was a leader in Christianity for almost a thousand years. But like what happened in the book of Judges, 
that Christianity has not got passed on, and now Europe is largely post-Christian. And the same thing appears to be happening in America. In 1980, 10% of the people asked, what's your religion? Responded, none. In 2007, 16% said none. In 2017, 23% say none. So almost a quarter of our population and 35% of the millennial generation answers none. Now, what they tell us is that's not entirely uh, reflective of a change. Used to, about everybody, you ask them what the religion was, they'd say something. Now people are just being more honest because there's no social pressure to claim I'm Protestant, Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, whatever, right? So part of that is now people don't mind telling you the truth. So that, that's they're saying what, some of that. But some of that statistic is, is that more and more people in America say, don't have any religion. A generation growing up, just as this verse says, who neither knows the Lord nor knows what the Lord has done for America. And so it's our job to be leaders across generations. By the time, and so in Judges, what happened is there's cycles of sin and discipline by God because there was not that leadership. By the time you get to the time of the monarchy, people wanted a king. God let them have a king, Saul. Then he raised up in his goodness, David, a good king. And in the time of the kings, the psalmists determined not to repeat the mistakes of the judges. I want to read to you from Psalm 78. And uh, Psalm 78, verses 3 through 7. Psalm 78 has 72 verses in it. And in these 72 verses, it recounts a lot of the failure of leadership that I just went over with you. Psalm 78 reviews the history of Israel and how they sometimes failed to pass on the faith to succeeding generations. And so Psalm 78 the psalmist says, I'm, we're determined not to do, be like that. Here's what it says, Psalm 78, verse 3. Things we've heard and known, things our ancestors have told us, we will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power, and the wonders He has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. We'll tell the next generation. They said, we don't want to repeat these mistakes. We will tell the next generation. One of the things that our church is doing, Cindy shared with you, uh, these changes on Sunday to make more space in here, to ask a hundred of you to flip-flop uh, your, your routine on Sunday morning. But also another thing that we're doing beginning the week of August 6th is a new young adult worship service on Wednesday night at 745 in the gym. We have a student worship service there now at uh, 6 o'clock for high school and middle school students. And after that service is over, about 30 minutes later, now there'll be a, a service for young adults, and Jake and Tim will be 
preaching there, and it's for a target audience of 18 to 29-year-olds. You know, if you're in student ministry, that Wednesday nights now becomes sort of a doorway to the church to get students in who don't come on Sunday morning. And it's a connection point to our church, and, and it works well in student ministry. The same thing needs to happen with college and young adult students. And you could say, well, they could come here if they would. Yeah, they could come here, but if they're not, we want to go reach them. We want to tell the next generation. And so there will be that worship service, and I'm asking you to pray for that and invest in that as uh, we seek to reach out to that next generation by adding another worship service. And I'm grateful for our staff and the vision they've had to do that and the desire to do that. This psalmist says, We will not hide from their descendants. We will tell the next generation. A survey of 32,000 churches said only 16% of churches in America have a significant group of young adults. 16% of American churches have a significant group of young adults. And they they count that as 21% of a church membership being 18 to 35. Only 16% fit that criteria. And what's happening in America is the graying of our churches is that we're not reaching young adults. And we've got to reach, we've got to be willing to use any method possible. We never compromise the message, but we've got to be willing to use the methods that will, that will reach that generation. I'm going to share with you one other psalm, testimony of Psalm 71, verses 17 and 18. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. And so this psalmist says, even when I'm old and gray, I want to have that that attitude of leading the next generation generation. Well, in the fullness of time, God sent his son Jesus, the culmination of all this Old Testament history. And I want to read to you just briefly what Mary, his mother, said in Luke chapter 1, verse 48 and following, when she learns that she'll be the mother of the Christ, the Messiah. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Mary recognizes that this event, the coming of Jesus, is the culmination of all the generations of faith and of the working of God through the Old Testament. And she recognizes that this will be the turning point, that all generations will call her blessed. That this is the hope the the fulfillment of all generations past, and the hope of all generations future. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is the answer for every generation, no matter what your age, what your musical taste, what your hairstyle, what your favorite TV show. Jesus is the hope of every generation. He's the timeless one, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the culmination of God's plan to deliver us from sin. All generations will call her blessed. For his mercy is good from generation to generation. And now he has instituted the church. And until he sees fit to come again, he has told us to be faithful to invest in generations beyond ourselves. And so I want to read to you 
just uh, finally a passage from Titus chapter 2, verses uh, 2 through 5. Titus was a younger guy. Don't know how much younger, but he was younger than Paul and younger than the people he was pastoring. I've been in that position, and it's tough to pastor people older than you. You know, you're a little kid. I started pastoring when I was 18, came here when I was 38. It's, it, it's tough. Here's what Titus is in that place. Here he is. So we've talked, I've talked primarily about this, about what it means to reach generations younger than ours. But the same thing applies to caring about generations older than yours. So maybe you're a millennial. Maybe you're in your 30s or your 40s. And so you're in the position of Titus. And here's a respect for and a concern for and a caring for generations different from yours. That's what the church is to be, a family of multi-generations that love one another. And so here's what Paul says to Titus. Titus chapter 2, verse 2. Teach the older men. Titus is going to be some older than you that you have to lead. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love and endurance. And he says in verse 3, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children. So here's that concern across generations, that you're not concerned just with your generation, but that older women in the church are to model and to teach younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. There's wisdom in older generations, he says. Don't, don't just keep that to yourself. Yeah, these, these younger people, they're going to look different. They're going to look weird. They're going to be funny looking, but invest in them. You know one of the groups in our church that does this the best is MOPs, Mothers of Preschoolers, and they have mentor moms and they have older women in our church come to those young women's meetings and they learn from them. That's a great, they're doing this, this thing, one of the best in our church. And so it's saying for you to care about generations beside yourself. I want to point out somebody in our church that does this. Never done this before. Dangerous thing to do because whenever you point out somebody, you're always in danger of ignoring somebody else, you know. And I, but I'm going to take the risk to do that. Barbara Simmons, would you stand up for just a minute? <clears throat> Barbara Simmons is a mentor mom and mops, but more as much as anybody else in this church, she portrays Titus chapter 2 of because she cares about and invests in, has done it for years, generations of younger women. And I'm grateful for that example. Where's your husband? <laughs> He's ushering. Well, send him, I want to send him. Hey. Hey, Bill. Come in here a minute. Would you come stand beside your wife for just, I don't know if you could hear or if you were busy, I don't know if you could hear what, what uh, I said, but I want to affirm generations who have led beyond their own generation. And you've been a model in our church of caring about a generation beyond your own. 
A couple of years ago, Jake took us to a SEND conference in Nashville. It's a conference mainly of younger church planters, and it's a missions conference, a great content, but the music is, there's lights going everywhere, and it's Crowder, and it's casting crowns, and Bill and Barbara, they probably would have rather had heard bluegrass, but they invested in younger generations. We went to Nashville and stood for when Billy Graham, uh, when, excuse me, Franklin Graham called us to pray for future generations. So you got to stand shoulder to shoulder with 7,000 people in that plaza for an hour, hour and a half. But Bill and Barbara stood there and prayed for future generations. When I came here, I was 38 years old. You were probably in your early 60s. And, and, uh, we introduced a Christian development program, and um, there were people, a lot of opposition to it. They said, we can't require people to go through steps and programs. It'll ruin our church. And Bill said, stood up and said, let's give it a chance. And this past year, as we introduced having a third worship service, that's a, that's a new thing. And Bill said, the good thing about this and that Wednesday night service is it'll help us reach more people for Christ. And I simply want to say to you, your models in our church of leading across generations, and I appreciate that. God bless you. Now, there are others like that, but but they're models, and you need to tell people. You need to tell people when they've, when they've been a blessing. So here's what I'm asking you to do. What, what do you need to do? Would you pray for this new worship service? Will you invest your life? I want to say God bless you to those of you who teach preschoolers and children and students and young adults, and you are going beyond your generation to invest your lives in future generations that it might not be said in America, a generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor the things the Lord had done. And I'm grateful for you. And I want to encourage you to invest your lives in your kids and your grandkids and mentor nephews and nieces. And I want to encourage you to get to know people in our church outside your generation. Your connection groups are structured to help you get to know people primarily within your generation. And that is a good thing, as I've already shared. But I want to encourage you to get to know some people beyond your generation. So you're going to have to come to something besides a connection group. You need to get to know some older people in our church. You need to get to know some younger people in our church. And so you need to come to CDP or Wednesday night supper, or you need to get involved in a ministry team or whatever, so that you can make those cross-generational connections because God has called us to lead across generations. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I pray for America I pray that we will pass the torch faithfully to successive generations. I want to pray that we would confess our personal and national sin that is going to bring repercussions upon future generations. I pray for our church that you will help us to love and invest ourselves in generations older than ours and younger than ours that we might care beyond our own circle for your glory, for the sake of your kingdom, as did Abraham and Moses and the psalmist. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.